What's going on, guys? Episode number nine of the Sports Creative Showcase coming at you live, finally at the ninth episode, nearly a big number 10. But for today, we have a good friend of mine, Joshua Coaster, coming into the show to talk about his experiences on how he went from high school basketball and shooting for free for a lot of his early career and developing his skills in order to shoot at the highest levels where he is now a cinematographer for the NHL LLC program and the NFL LCC program. Not only is he incredibly talented creative, but he's developed his business in such an intelligent way and he really reveals what it takes to actually not just get onto these big fields and courts and shooting all these major events, but also what it takes to grow this into a livable business in which you can make a living with. He talks about how he develops his Instagram content in order to share his work and get more work through social media, how Brownie James gave him one of his most viral clips ever, how he caught a football while he was filming a live NFL game, and also he is a storage saving guru and gives us his best tips on how to minimize the amount of footage you keep after a game. If you guys shoot 4K 120 footage, you know you're probably spending a lot of money on storage, and that was one of the best tips he gave was how to really minimize the amount of stuff you're keeping after a game. So many gems in this episode, so I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Joshua Coaster. All right, welcome to episode number nine of the Sports Creative Showcase. I am back here after a bit of a hiatus with a very special guest for episode nine. I still can't believe that personally. I've gotten to nine episodes of this thing uh. of talking <laughs> about the sports creative stuff. But for today's episode, I have a very special guest, Joshua Coaster, cinematographer for the Buffalo Bills. He works as an NFL LCC. He works as an NHL LSC. Uh, sports creative from Buffalo, racking up the IG views with uh, Bronny James yeah. him up and, you know, using his videos and a storage saving guru when it comes to Man. just cutting the fat and deleting all the videos you don't need. I need to talk to you about that, but I'm very happy to have Joshua on the show today. Thank you for making some time to come out here and just talk and shop from your, you're in New York right now. You said you from yeah. New York apartment. Yeah. I'm in New York city right now, originally from Buffalo, but yeah, man, I appreciate you. I've, I've been tapped into the shows, the pod tapped into all the creative work you put out. Like it's all amazing. So I'm just super glad to be on with you. Like this is amazing. So I appreciate you. I appreciate that, man. So, um, give me, I mean, obviously I've known you for about a year now, but a lot of my viewers may not be familiar with you or maybe they are, but give me the four one, one onto who Joshua Coaster is. What do you, what are you up to? Where did you get started? What do you find yourself doing? Give me, give me the quick and the viewers, give me the, give us the quick four one, one on who you are and what are you up to? No, nah, I got you. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, you, you from Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of your, you know, following actually might be a little familiar because it's super close. Yeah, that's um, true. It's only really like an hour and a half, two hours away, but right by Niagara Falls, Buffalo Bills, you know, I've been a Buffalo Bills fan my whole life, but I grew up playing a lot of sports. So that's kind of originally where that like gravitation towards like video and sports came together for me. I didn't necessarily get into video until I was like out of high school, maybe. But once I kind of found out I could mix those two fields together, I was like, hey, I, you know, I'm not good enough to be playing at this level like college or pros. But there's still a ton of other jobs in those fields and those at those levels that you can do. And I just found that video is one that I like really enjoyed to do in those fields. So I grew up just like loving sports all my life. I had two older brothers. Our parents put us in like every single sport imaginable we were playing like floor hockey at one point it was crazy um and then you know once i got out of high school picked up the camera and stuff started just coming together from there shoots high school shoots turned into college shoots turned into pro-am shoots turned into like high level aau shoots and then turned into like pro level shoots so it was all like a bunch of dominoes that you know one yeah. of them just hit the next one and then the next one and then it just kept going from there 
No, that's awesome. And like you said, I think when you start off, it is a domino effect. You go, you kind of like take each rung of the ladder and you take it one step at a time. Um, obviously, right now you're with the NHL as an LSC in Buffalo. You work with the Buffalo Bills. You you do your own freelance stuff on the side. But one thing I do want to talk about it right off the start is like, this is something I try to do every podcast and everyone I talk to is like, how did you get your start? Like, wh- how, how did you just start shooting sports? Like you mentioned, so you played it, you played yeah. it your whole life. You you know, tell me the story of how you got your first camera and ended up at your first basketball game, football game, whatever it might be. No, I got you. So honestly, like I have really bad memory. So I feel like the reason that I first picked up a camera is because I was just like, yo, I don't never re- like remember stuff. So I'm gonna just pick up this camera and you know, whatever I'm doing with my friends, we'll take some photos. And it's, it's really just like for keepsake. Cause I can look back on it 10 years from now and be like, oh yeah, we did do this. Like we ended up going to this. I think one of the earliest memories I have um, taking photos was, it was like during a world cup, during a, wins- a men's world cup match. And they had it like, we have like our waterfront area, it's called Canal Side, and they just had it on like a huge projector. Like, you know, obviously it's a summer day, everybody is out watching the World Cup, and I just brought the camera out and like, like literally just recording random videos, like none of them made sense, none of them look good, but it's just like, it was just like uh, for a memory, like a keepsake. And, and I could just remember like after we scored a goal, like everybody in the Canal Side was going crazy. And, and after that, I was just like, all right, I'll just keep compiling these videos for like memories. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll just go record, you know, some of my friends games or, you know, go take photos at like we have the Gus Macker here. It's like a three on three tournament. Um, so I was like, I'll go to a couple of Gus Mackers and take photos of my friends, you know, playing sports so they could have that same keepsake. And then one thing turned to another where, you know, nobody is really taking photos or doing video at these like lower competitive levels. So when you take it, like even if it's a bad photo, people love it. They're like, oh, my God, like I need this photo. I want that photo. And and things start to like compile into another. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I should hit a couple more games and hit a couple more games. And by that time, I don't even realize it, but I'm getting practice reps in, you know, I'm getting like I'm getting a little bit better little by little. And I'm like, oh, okay, well shoot, maybe I'm pretty good at this. So I'll just keep going. And then at that time, I think I was, I was getting a couple of years into college. And after like three years, I changed my uh, major to media production. So I was like, all right, I'll take this seriously and try to make like a, I guess a career out of it. So I changed to media production in college. And then from there I was like, all right, what can I do at every level? You know, what can I do in every facet of my daily life to make this into a career? Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And I, I actually one thing I'm going to touch on there is you did. I, I just released a YouTube video where I said, like, how to find a job in this line of work. Yeah. And the, the first thing I said is, like, start locally in your community. And like you personified that just telling that but like you found a tournament that people were doing in, in your area in Buffalo. Yeah. And you took advantage of it. And like you said, when teams don't get a lot of coverage they love it and they'll not just keep calling you back for work but also recommend you out to other people so it's like it's just that kind of like like you mentioned domino effect of everything kind of coming down all at once i gotta ask what was your first camera because i feel like everyone Uh, everyone's got the same one or similar thought what was your first camera i think it was like a canon zoom shoot canon lp zoom it was like the you you hit the little button on the camera and as the lens like pops out i remember i went to (laughs) i went to a drake concert because he comes buffalo all the time so i think it was nothing was the same concert and we were like in the 300s and i thought it was so cool that i could zoom all the way in with this little like electronic lens and it was like i was in the front you know what i'm saying like the the 
the whole frame was just like him and i was like no yeah. this is crazy i'm like this camera is crazy and i think after that for school i ended up getting a a, a nikon d7000 i think um and that was like my first um i don't know like dslr if you want to yeah mm-hmm. first dslr and then i had that while i was shooting college stuff you know that's you know, you could only afford so much. And then as I progressed and took it more seriously and started getting more business, I eventually got, you know, into Sony cameras. But yeah, like the first first year that I was like really trying to attend a bunch of games, at first I was thinking, because in our area, like, Buffalo doesn't have a lot of kids that are like going division one and going, you know, to play big colleges and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of felt like, okay, well, where's, where's the media in all this? And I didn't really understand why Buffalo as a whole didn't really have too much like video coverage. Obviously we have like news outlets that have to report the scores and stuff like that, but there's really not any video there's, especially in social media age, there's no viral videos. Like when I was growing up in Buffalo, we had dudes like Johnny Flynn playing at Niagara Falls. He was like a number three pick in the NBA. His teammate, Paul Harris went to Syracuse with him. Like that Niagara Falls team was like number three in the country. And you can't like, you can barely find a video of them on YouTube anywhere. Now that was in like, I don't know, 2000 and it was like early 2000s, but still like, come on, bro. They they had a number three team in the nation and you're telling me we can't find any video of it. So when I eventually got like more serious into like the camera stuff, this was probably like 2018, 19, maybe I was like, all right, I'm gonna just attend all these high school games and I'm gonna end up, oh, that phone ringing crazy. Um, That's all good. I said, I'm going to just attend all these high school games, get some footage on these kids and, you know, maybe it'll help somebody someday get on their recruiting tour. So, like, I went to, like, 40 high school basketball games and, like, I don't know, 15 high school football games on my own time. Like, you know, nobody, like, hired me out. I just attended all these games, made simple recaps of all the players and, like, I'm not going to say stuff blew up, but that's kind of where stuff gained it even started more getting traction. some traction yeah it gained even more traction it's like and it got it got the eyes of the colleges that ended up like not hiring me full-time but like it got the eyes of the colleges that i ended up working at whether it was like a division one or a juco like just those high school games and having those things shared around because you know like i said those athletes love that stuff so much that even if it's not the greatest they're gonna share it um yeah so it ended up you know, just knocking into another one and getting eyes in front of those colleges and getting just getting a little bit of traction in the neighborhood, in the area, like in Buffalo. If you were like a high school athlete, you kind of knew, you know, if I was at the game and if I was filming it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like especially like in a smaller city like Buffalo, it, it like here in Toronto, like you go to a pro aim or you go to like, you know, we had Canada, but like a pro tur- uh, a, a U23 tournament just a few weeks ago. There's like fucking 10 20 different camera people all getting the same thing i'm sure in a city like buffalo not as big especially not in the creative scene is as you know you stand out so like when all these athletes are posting your shots other coaches and people are like who the hell is this guy because we've never seen anything like him before and obviously that lets you like gain, gain that traction and people are starting to get to know who you are like i'm assuming at a lot of these games you were one of very few video people if anything right no, for sure and now it's funny because like if i go back now not that the baseline is super crowded but like you can go to a random high school game there will probably be at least one or two you know people with a camera if you go to a more notable high school game like a private school big matchup you might see like six or seven cameras on the baseline and they're all young kids you know they're all high schoolers trying to get into the the 
same field that I'm in. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what you see now. You see it evolving. Um, and I'm glad that I could like play a part in that. But yeah, the first year I went out, there was photographers for sure. There was photographers at these games, but not really video. Like people weren't mm -hmm. doing video at these high school games. So it was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool to kind of like trailblaze that path. Yeah. And I think also like our, I'm going to call it like our generation of content creators in the sports world. Like we're kind of anyone who started in that 2017 to 2019 time frame are the kind of people who started doing this thing because now everyone is doing yeah. it. Like it, it, people understand it's a viable form, but it is, like you said, I, I really relate to that because when I was shooting, I started doing it in college here at Ryerson. When I started doing their stuff, like I was one of the only people doing video at the start, like me and two yeah. other guys. Yeah. But now it's like you go there and there's like seven or eight different like video people. So it's, it's really interesting to see how it's changed from where we started to where it is now. Um, shifting gears here. Obviously you mentioned that like your high school work allowed you to obviously build your portfolio and have a body of work to then take into the college scene um can you tell me a little bit about what that experience was like because i feel like a lot of young creatives like not a lot of just people in our industry start in the college area shooting their teams and stuff so what was that experience like for you what was the school what, what did you end up doing you mentioned you worked part-time tell me a little yeah. bit about that yeah i mean so like when you when you're not actively a student so i, I didn't re really necessarily go out to shoot these games until after I had graduated college. And even when I was in college, I wasn't like staying on campus. You know, I was at a local school, so I was leaving school, going to a part-time job. And then, you know, whatever happens after work, you do your homework, you live your life, regular person. But at that time, those colleges, at least, you know, the division one ones that I feel like would make a bigger difference on my resume, if you wanted to work with them, you kind of had to have something under your belt. Like they wanted two years experience, you know, or some some random amount of experience shooting with a team. And I didn't necessarily have any of that. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, I, I need a portfolio. I need a reel. So that's when I started going to all these high school games and going to all these, um, you know, like lower level college games to really stack stuff up. But even before that, Something that I did do at a college while I was in college is um, I did 22 film for the university at Buffalo. So UB is our only D1 program in Buffalo. They, at least the time I was there, crazy enough, they produced like a ton of NFL players. It was, um, it was like 2012 to 2017. There's probably still seven active players in the NFL now from like that range, which, which is, you know, not very common for UB. Um, mm -hmm. But I did 22 film, which means I'm in the nosebleeds. I have the camera. I'm recording literally everybody on the film on the field. And um, the team is going to use it after the game to study film. So yeah. you're going to send it off to the conference. You're going to send it to the other teams. The other teams are going to send you the same stuff, but you're going to use it to just study the next week. It's not like highlight. It's not cinematic. It's not, you know, you don't, you're really just running the camera for the, for the coaching staff yeah, essentially. Yeah. Hit start plays over hit stop record the record the clock do it all again you know what i mean there's not much creativity into it um but at the very least it was you know i could put on my resume ub football video team 2012 to whatever you know what i'm saying so it was something but it wasn't a real <clears throat> so to get to bring that back together you know if i wanted to apply for a, a full-time position with like ub I couldn't do it because I didn't have a reel. You know, what was I going to do? Show them 22 film? Like, why would they hire me? So that's when I started attending all these high school football games and attending all these um, basketball games. And one of the people at UB, funny enough, 
I would like cut together the the football players highlight tapes and they would get, you know, footage from the actual media department, which, you know, was probably frowned upon since, you know, it's like their footage. But I would put stuff on YouTube and I emailed the uh, athletics director at UB and I was like, hey, you know, I'm trying to cut these highlights together for such and such. Um, here's some examples of the ones I've already cut together. Is there any way like we could tap into the media department's video? Because at the time we were just using the football team's video. I got an email back like this is a uh, copyright. Like we're going to send lawyers after you. Like we need to cease what? and desist of all this right now. Now, this is a crazy part, right? So. And you, this is the same school that you work with. Yeah. But like, so That's I was working with the football, football teams, media department. He's the athletics communications director. Uh -huh. So they, they record softball, volleyball, basketball, football. They record all the sports. You know what I'm saying? While I was just a part of the football teams, video department or media department. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he emailed me that. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm like 19, 20. I'm like, oh, he's about to fry me. Like I'm about to get lawyers in my door. So he's like, we need to set up a call right now and talk about this. So I call him. He's like, hey, Josh, uh, how would you like to work for the media department? So he was just screwing me the whole time. I'm like, all right, bro. Like he had me tight. <laughs> he had me pissed. He had me pissed. So they ended up uh, bringing me on part time just to like fill extra edits because they only had a three person team, um, a real yeah. small team. Not that it's not a huge college, but like they did cover a lot of sports. So there was stuff that they needed me to edit. So I would edit up like sponsored videos, coaches in cars. If they had they had a partnership with BMW, so they would record a coach taking a drive along with a BMW rep and you know, they'd ask him a bunch of questions and I, I would just cut that together. It'd be some YouTube format stuff. Um, so I did that for maybe two seasons. I cut up extra stuff and then I did uh, studio logging of the live games. So they would have me in this like, they would have me in this production studio while the game was going on in the stadium next door. I would hit start before the play, stop after the play. We would uh, have, you know, that master, it was TV broadcast, but we would have that master, um, I don't even know what you would want to call it, like timeline of every yeah. play. And then I would just cut together the highlights to make it easier for the main editor to edit the next day. You know what I'm saying? So again, this is another job that I had with no, you know, reel to show for it. No cinematic shots that I shot. I was just cutting stuff together to prepare it for the actual employee to cut together the next day. But this is all like you putting yourself getting your foot through the door yes. and like saying like, I'm here, even though you're yeah. not. And I think for young creatives who are listening to this, like sometimes your first job isn't going to be sexy. Exactly. You're not always going to be on the field. You're not always going to be with the, like sometimes no, you got to like be in the, be in the mud for a bit, you know? Literally. So I, I actually I appreciate you telling this part of the story, but continue on. No, yeah. And that, that literally leads to the next part is one of the supervisors. His name was Matt there. Matt Walfriend. That's my guy. I think after like a year, after like the COVID year, no, right before the COVID year started, I told Matt, I was like, yo, like this is cool. Like being in the studio and having, you know, this on my resume, but like, I want to, I want to film. I want to get out there and shoot something. Like, can you give me a pass to shoot? And he was like, we're kind of tough on a budget. You know, Matt is my guy though. So he always looks out for me. He was like, we're, we're tough on the budget, but you know, you know, we're not bringing on extra videographers. And I was just like, I don't, you don't even need to pay me. Just get me a pass. And he was like, oh yeah, hey, like, hell yeah, I'll do that. Like he was basically like, I'll get you where anywhere I can get you. He was, I fully, he was like, I fully understand. You want to build your resume. You want to build your reel and you want to level up. So for sure, I'll get you a pass. So the COVID year for basketball, there was like nobody in the stands 
and the videographers had to be like 10 rows up. But I shot every almost every UB men's game that year and almost every women's game that year. And I shot the football games, full media pass, full access to where I could be because of COVID, but full media pass. And I didn't get paid for any of it, but I built my reel off of that. And that's what got me, you know, noticed by the people who run the TBT, the blue collar U team. They hired me for that. And it's also what just helped me, you know, get to that next spot. So if I didn't speak up for myself and tell Matt, like, hey, you know, this this is cool, but it's not getting me to where I want to be because I don't want to be a studio production person i want to be on the field i want to be filming you know what i mean i want to be behind the camera yeah. so if i didn't speak up for myself and and realize like hey having a resume is cool but it also has to relate to what you want to do then i would have still been in that studio for the next two seasons and i, I would have never had anything to show for my own reel and if i wouldn't have had somebody in my corner like that that would have you know that was his understanding and he was like yeah i want you to level up too like you crushed the job we put in front of you, but I want you to level up too. So here, here's a pass, go crazy. So it's like a mix between, you know, having those people that will help you level up and then just realizing like, Hey, you know, this is cool, but I gotta, I gotta get onto the next step. So I did that for like two years for free and I just built my resume and more built my portfolio, built my reel. And that ended up, you know, just becoming a ton of other jobs. No, that's awesome. There's like so many things that like I have talked about, not just on like my channels and stuff, but like to, to people, it's like, number one, like, I love the fact that you spoke up and said what you wanted to do. Like, I think a lot of people, especially when you're young and starting off, you're kind of like, you're taking whatever you want yeah. and that's cool, but you need to eventually speak up and be like, Hey, like, this is what I actually want to do. Yeah. Is there any way to make it happen? And the other thing that I really personally relate to, and I think I want to make an emphasis for anyone listening. It's like, sometimes you got to be in the mud and sometimes you're going to be where you want, but you're not going to make a lot of money or any money at all. Like yeah, when I started facts. at TMU shooting our athletic department, like I emailed them and said, Hey, I'm a student. I want to help out. They're like, we can't pay you, yeah. but we can give you access. And sometimes access is all you need. So it's like really great to hear that. You also have had that experience, like getting the access and building your resume and your portfolio. What was obviously like apart from not making any money college is a pretty like working in college sports as a creative is like very taxing you're, yeah. wor you're shooting a lot you're editing a lot and especially when you're not getting paid it's pretty mentally hot tough what was the biggest challenge you found like during those college years building up your resume um, and like just, you know getting those reps in yeah not having the gear to be honest with you it's like so I, I didn't have to be, I didn't end up being like a full-time employee for the team. So all I had to do was film the games and send them the footage. I didn't have to like cut it down and make edits the next day. It wasn't, it wasn't like a super stressful environment for me because I wasn't required to do so much, but I just didn't have the gear to make the stuff that I wanted to make. And obviously I'm not saying like, you got to spend your life savings on gear. But when I asked Matt about the shoulder rig that they use at, you know, these games, when I ended up getting that shoulder rig, bro, like my whole shooting process and, and the outcome of my clips changed dramatically. So I would say the biggest challenge was just, you know, working with that Nikon D71 and your reel is only as far as the shots take it. So you really got to make the shots count. And um, it wasn't that I couldn't make a good reel after one full year of filming with that, but it was like, you could you could just accelerate it a little bit quicker if you have mm. some some really elite gear. So I would say that because I didn't really have no problems with access or, you know, burnout. I had a little bit more yeah. burnout when I was just doing stuff on my own with like high school sports and, 
you know, it, it wasn't like the college demanding me. It was like, all right, I have time here. I'm going to go find something to do. I have time here. I'm going to find something to do. So there definitely was a little burnout with that, but definitely yeah. probably the gear, probably the gear. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when it came to like, and I don't normally talk about gear, but what was your process then like to take all that work that you did for free, that real and turn it into paid work? What was that? How did you end up going? Swinging that I mean, around? I, I kind of always looked at it as, um, if somebody asked me to film something, it's a paid, it's a paid gig. If I ask you, if I can come shoot something for you, you know, it's more of a spec project. It's more of a passion project. So I wouldn't come up to you and be like, Hey, I want to film your wedding. And then they're like, cool. And I'm like, I'm going to charge you a million dollars for it. Like, nah, like when people saw the stuff that I was creating at these high school games, you know, people are like, Oh, I want you to come to my game. Now I want you to come to my game. And, and I think when I first started off, I was charging like $50 a game, $75 a game, which was crazy, crazy low. But yeah, it was like, once you, you have to get that confidence to say out loud, like, Hey, I'm not just going to show up to your game, you know, because you asked me to, like, you're asking me for a reason. You're asking me because there's value in the work. Um, and then even beyond that, sometimes a bat, like if I had a connection with a basketball league, like I had an early connection with healthy Buffalo, that's like a rec league in Buffalo. And the person who runs that, you know, he'd pay me to shoot photos for the league every week. And then I was like, Hey, let's start doing video or let's start taking photos of more leagues. Um, so I explored more options and explored like more businesses to shoot with and met more people. But at the end of the day, it was like, once people saw the work going up on socials, then people would reach out and that would eventually turn into not crazy money, but you know, it, it little by little, it built up for sure. Moving on from obviously we talked about you're working for free and, you know, speaking up for yourself and what you wanted to do. Yeah. So how did you, how did you end up taking that work and then finding the opportunity with the NFL? Because obviously uh, the LCC or LSC roles in pro sports are like very desired by people and kids always want to know how to get there. Cause you have a, your job is to shoot and capture sports, which is a pretty good gig if like, you know, in, in general. So how how did you end up taking all that work and finding that opportunity with the NFL where you find yourself now? Man, so like so, so much happened in between picking up, like hitting all those high school games my first year in what, 2019 and becoming an LCC in 2022. Like it would be it. It would be an injustice to just say it was a few things. Like I said, it's like a do long line of dominoes that like one mm -hmm. to the next, yeah, one yeah, yeah. to the next. Um, but for sure, part of it was um, meeting the right people. So uh, Mike Hunter, who was also an LCC for the Bills, he also went, well, he went to UB. I didn't go to UB, but he went to UB. He shot video for them before he even got there. Like I had noticed other players getting edits done. And I was like, oh, like, who is this? Because usually I made most of the edits and it ended up being one of Mike's super fire edit super fire creator so like the first time i saw him at one of the games i just told him straight like that like hey bro like i see your work super fire like show love show respect like nothing you know beyond that and that was probably his freshman year which had to be i don't know 2019 um and then he ended up getting that lcc job and i would just tap in with him here and there and be like hey if there ever there's ever an opening you know let me know so i could apply for it so while i was waiting for that opening because I, I was I seen the program maybe two or two years before I got in it. And, you know, I would message the Instagram and be like, hey, is there any openings for this? You know, no response, nothing like that, which I'm sure millions or thousands, whatever a lot of people do anyways. Um, and then I think last year in the summer, 
I just happened to be following a bunch of other people in that program, which was super important too. And I just saw one of the guys post on a story like, hey, we're looking for creators in these markets and Buffalo is one of them. So between meeting Mike and seeing that post, I just hit so many sporting events, created so much content on the sporting events. You just kept grinding. Upgraded all the gear that I had, like just kept making stuff ready, made a portfolio, made a reel, a minute and a half reel, ended up doing some big AAU work um, and some stuff at Alabama too. And man, I just saw the dude put up that post. I applied and I'm sure a hundred percent that Mike probably told them like, Hey, you know, there's a guy in Buffalo. He's pretty good. You know, hopefully that's what he said. He's pretty good. Check him out. That's probably what got me an interview. Um, but once I got to the interview, I crushed it. Like I knew exactly what they were looking for live content wise. Cause I just had finished doing it with the battle with like the AAU programs. Um, and the work that I had spoke for itself. So between that interview and the reel that I showed them, I just crushed the interview. So it was kind of like, I feel like they had no choice but to be like, like, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you on as one of the LCCs. And then the LSC with the NHL, you just hit me up randomly. I was like, shoot. All right. I still don't know who referred me to this day. <laughs> I still don't know who it was to this day. But it was Gondola. I found you. We wow. found you. I'm pretty sure. Or Shout no, was it Gondola? gondola? I'm pretty sure it was Gondola and I hit you up because I was helping find like creatives for those roles. It was that or some, I, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure like 99% sure it was Gondola in that sense. But it's, it's just funny that, I mean, I, it's funny how things sometimes all like, it's two different things, right? Number one, you worked for, you worked your tail off, like shooting all these different events and then finding, getting that opportunity that you've kind of was found when they said they were hiring someone. And then with the NHL, it was just kind of like, Oh, someone popped in and like, Hey, we're hiring you. You have really, really talented dude. Right. So it's just funny how opportunities come in and out in this like industry. It's and, not and really literally, like, bro. Like freelancing the last two years, that's how it's been. Like I just finished a camp for the WNBA and the W no, the WMBPA, which is the players association and the MBPA in New York. And it was like, it was just this guy, Dan Gladstone, who I met in uh, Atlanta while I was shooting for the throne. And he, I literally had a 20 second conversation with him at the end of the tournament. I was at the tournament for a week in Atlanta. And I just, you know, I, the someone at the tournament who was like, um, who hired us just told us like, yeah, that's Dan from the PA. And he was really a big fan of everybody's stuff. So I just came up to him at the end and I was like, Hey, I appreciate you like letting us come out here. And cause they sponsored the event. I was like, I appreciate you being a part of the event. And um, I'm glad that you liked all the content. And he was like, yeah, man, I loved all the stuff. Like we want to get you on for a camp in New York. And I ended up doing a camp and it was like a big part of the business for this year. You know what I'm saying? So stuff like that, like when you're freelancing with video work, like stuff pops up like that all the time. Like I don't have retainer customers. I don't have, you know, I have people who I work with a lot, but it's not like, you know, yeah. it's not like a W2, W2, W4. It's not like where I'm getting the same check every week. Like it's just all these people who have heard of me one way or another. And they're like, Hey, we love your work. Like, let's bring you on for stuff. You know, it's, it, there's a lot that goes into that relationship building. Which is and why. I think I'm assuming a lot of that has to do with you posting your work and sharing your work online, right? Social For media sure. and Instagram. Um, and that's something like I like to stress a lot to people. It's just like share your work. Like yeah. no one's going to know what you're up to. No one's going to know your capabilities if you don't share your work. Do you have like a specific strategy or plan when it comes to sharing your stuff? Or is it just like, fuck nah, it, let's just bro. see what happens. I'll throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, kind of kind of thrown at the wall. I, I like to try to stay and create like what I like. Um, even though it doesn't perform super well, 
Um, and then like the stuff that takes me like two minutes will go crazy. Just like, for example, I just did like a, a Josh Allen and Steph Diggs video when all that controversy came out with Diggs talking about, you know, everybody thinks Diggs going to leave. So it was like a, a voice quote. Josh is like, Steph's my guy. I love him. And then it's like him throwing a touchdown to Diggs. And that gets like 250,000 views, which is like, it's a context thing. You know, it didn't take me long to edit. The shot is good. You know, it's not like it's, it didn't take, but me it's because work. of the situation that was happening. Yes, exactly. And then it's like, I predict another, like one of the black and white edits that I make. And it's like, I'm super invested in it. I put like a lot of detail in it and it, it, it kind of, it doesn't get as much views, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Both, both of those videos. I, I like, put my work into they have a different purpose and they show different versions of what you can do yeah exactly so it's like the stuff that i enjoy making you know you you have to have a balance especially in this field you have to enjoy making stuff bro like sometimes you're gonna have to make stuff that you don't necessarily love sitting there for six hours and editing it like and that's the truth you know you got to pay some bills and you got to get that edit out and there's other stuff it's like you edit for seven hours and you don't even notice the time passing by because like once you watch it at the end you're like damn this is fire like i really made this joint so i was i would say that yeah it's like try to get out as much stuff as you can don't don't follow the trends like too hard if if you feel like you're not enjoying editing what you're making for your socials but don't sit on your laurels and not post anything at all. You know what I'm saying? Like get something out there, mm-hmm. um, but but try to make it relate to you and make it feel as authentic to yourself as possible. Is there one piece of content that you've posted that has like blown up your, not just your following, but like yeah, given bro. you a lot of opportunity? Bro, ran- well, I was like the following, like literally that random. So it's like a, a slow motion handshake between LeBron and Bronny. Like they're doing like their little handshake. It's literally just them in slow motion doing it with a song. And that joint had like 17 million views, bro, for no reason. Like it was blowing up in Brazil. And I'm just like, bro, this is, I wasn't like, this is so stupid, but I was just like, this video took me like five minutes to make. Cause all I did was put it slow motion, a color grade, and then, you know, find a song to put on it. But it's, it just means so much. It's like the greatest player of all time type to a lot of people handshaking his son. You know, people were commenting on it like, Oh my God, I like, I miss my dad. Stuff like that. It was like crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. 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 But that like that video, I swear when I posted it, I was probably like 9,000 followers. And then after like two weeks, it was like 19, 20,000. I was like, this is That's so crazy. So Holy. silly. So silly. So that, that blew up in terms of like social um, reach. But I would say like other stuff that I've made, like has definitely gotten me jobs and opportunities that have gotten in the hundreds of thousands of views or, you know, a couple million views here and there. Um, but that one definitely blew up. Like, I feel like it's a bunch of bots that follow me, to be honest. But that was, <laughs> that, was that was definitely one of the social media um, videos that blew up. And again, that's that's where, like, if you just shoot the context instead of the content, sometimes it'll hit harder. You know, you don't always have to yeah. have that, that 12K super slow-mo perfect uh focus video to do something on social so you mentioned the the brawny and lebron clip uh you shot that in 2022 during you know you were working the battle and then brawny also got a hold of it what was your reaction when like you saw it slowly blow up and then brawny shared it what was your reaction at the time so the handshake one brawny didn't end up sharing but there's another there's a black and white video that i shot just like of brawny it's, it's like a it's like a loaf, a loafy mixtape. You know what I'm saying? The slow motion is black and white. It's like R and B. The song is by Thames. Um, so when I seen, I think I, I like, I never really have my Instagram notifications like on 
set on my phone so my i don't really like get the stuff when there's like likes and stuff like that but i'll i'll see the story reposts right so after i think a few hours after i had posted a video i started seeing like mad likes coming on as i'm just on instagram and i'm updating the notification i see mad likes i'm like hold on what's going on so i go to the story not story reposts and one of them is Bronny. I was like, oh, no, nah, this is crazy. Because he, he probably get tagged in like millions of videos all the time. So and then he commented on the actual video and put like the chef's the chef's. Uh, oh, yeah, chef's that's awesome. Too. So when he did that, I was like, oh, that's like it's a it doesn't mean everything, but it's super satisfying when either other creators in your field or the person the video is about like shows that appreciation because a they don't have to and b the odds that they're going to see it and spend more than three seconds looking at it is super low. So it's like, damn, I, I must have really created something really good if he done went out of his way and just like seen it. And I seen him at the next battle cause this was like the first one in New York. I saw him at the next one at Akron and I ended up getting like locker room access. And I asked him, I was like, yo, how did you even end up seeing that? He was like, it was just in my for you stream. And I just like seen it. I was like, that's crazy. Like it just popped up. So it was super satisfying for sure. And that one hit a million views. That was like the first video I had to hit no it wasn't the first yeah it was the first video i had to hit um a million views so that was yeah that was something special that was cool that's amazing i mean that just goes to show and I get, this just goes on to everything i kind of preach on my end it's like you don't know what video could change the trajectory of where you're going no, like you know sure. you were already in a good place before that but obviously that like gave you a boost in so many different ways yeah i've kind of on the same topic before we move on here um do any of the bills repost your stuff? Have you ever had that engagement, yeah, that type yeah, of engagement with sure. those guys? No, for sure. And I've like met some of them personally, like when I started going to games and then, you know, some of them would step out of their way to like, just acknowledge me and be like, Hey man, I see the stuff you post, like it's fire or just do a little bit of an extra, um, an extra intro to the camera or something like that. Or if I got like the a camera flex down, or something, yeah. yeah. Or if I got the camera down, I'm not recording and I see one of them and like, we'll just greet each other, slap each other up. Like, yeah, it's a cool feeling. Like, obviously, when you're a pro, when you're in that pro um, environment, you're not like chatting up the guys. You're not you're not one of the guys. So it's not like what you're there to do. But for sure, like some of them will go out of their way to to greet me or slap me up for a quick second and be like, hey, man, I see the stuff you're making or they'll hit me up on Instagram. Like, hey, can I can I get this edit or something like that? So for sure, the, the Bills players will um will reshare and like, you know, comment on stuff and or just tell me like separately like that they that they enjoyed it so that's cool too like they, they just regular people too you know yeah I'm sure, i know you know you know what i'm saying like you're on the nhl guys like they regular people too so yeah they're just guys who are really good at playing yeah. a sport and they get paid for it it's yeah. like you and i are really good at shooting sports so we get paid for it it's exactly just, it's that same mindset uh gonna keep moving forward here when it comes to shooting the nfl and you know I think the NFL, I like I shot, I've shot CFL football is the highest level of football I shot in Canadian football league, but obviously the NFL is like such a grand stage. It's an experience. Not a lot of people get to do. You're like one of like 32 people who got to do it for the LC LCC program. Like it's something a lot of people wish they could do. What was it like shooting your first NFL game? Man, it was crazy. It was like, it was like a, a, a prophecy moment. You know, it was like, I had, I had, we have like season tickets, me and my brothers and my, 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 um, mother and my father when she was here. So we would go to all these games. And once I started enjoying video and like taking video, um, you know, I was like saying to myself, like, yeah, one day I'll be down there. One day I'll be down there filming. Like manifested it a yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a manifestation. So when I walked down, like we get to the games four hours ahead of time 
I feel like on my first game, I got there five hours ahead of time. I was like, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to go to work. I'm never I'm never like that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I can't wait to go to work today. So they get to the stadium and just, you know, get the lay of the land and um, you just walk on the field and it's super dope. Like, it's it's just so surreal to be in that in that environment and to, like, not only be in the environment, but know that you earned your spot there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, where you didn't just stumble upon this this uh, this job. It wasn't just handed to you because you know somebody. Like, no, nah, man, I like really earned my keep. So it was a super surreal feeling. Even on to the NHL, it was like I don't really grow up watching hockey, even though Buffalo's, I guess, like a hockey town. Not really, it's really a football town, but it's the same thing. It's like, damn, I'm I'm on the glass right now shooting an NHL game. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, what's been your favorite moment so far that you've shot with the Bills? Like your favorite highlight or favorite moment you've witnessed? What what sticks out to you? Man, favorite moment for the Bills. I really love the tunnel runs, like the tunnel intro, intro intros, like players running out of the tunnel with their name called. I think my favorite one is probably the one of Diggs because like he turns and screams like right at the camera. Um, I would say probably between those and then specific highlights that's tough because i just i just went through all these highlights too because i posted like the top 10 offensive defensive shots um but sometimes it's like that off the field shot that's like a lot cooler than you know that that touchdown or that highlight there's definitely it's like them on the bench interacting with each other or them with like their families or whatnot stuff like that yeah after the game and they're just like on some like uh i don't know some humanity stuff there's like some there's a human element added to it or even before the game they're like super locked in like there's uh the snowfall and ed oliver like that one joe burrow clip that i shot that like blew up and reached every corner of the earth it's not like my was it the one where he throws the ball and spins around yeah that was it right yeah Yeah. so so like when people ask me what i do for the nfl that's for now on that's like the first clip that i pull up because i'd be like all right you probably saw this clip so like it's a lot easier for me to explain it to you if i show you this that's not like my proudest highlight because it's like he's just throwing a ball. But in terms of like reach and how far it got, that's one of the highlights that definitely comes to mind because it's like, damn, that joint like really blew up crazy. And I caught a football on the sidelines, too. That was cool, too. That was. A cool oh, highlight. really? I didn't. Yeah. Oh, I think I saw you share that you caught it. Yeah. Kind of was coming on your way. Yeah, right? It was a TV broadcast, bro. When it happened, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the typical sports question. What did you see in that moment? <laughs> the ball's coming toward you. What Listen, happened? Bro, I ain't hear a thing. It went silent. I said as soon as I seen the ball throw, like, cause you know when you're looking through the camera, you can kind of tell the trajectory of things. So as soon as I seen it thrown, I was like, oh, this is overthrown. Like this is this is coming right to me. So I said, oh, this is this is a time to catch this right. So and it's funny because. I'm, we were recording like on a cell phone and a camera at the same time. So on the cell phone, all you hear is me saying, heads up, heads up, heads up. And then whap, just like <laughs> snag that joint, snag that joint. And then when I caught it, I turned to the crowd and hold it, held it up. Like, yeah, you, cause it was a one hand catch. I was like, yeah, you seen that. So after it happened, I go back to like the media room to like all the other LCCs. Cause there's four of us. I'm like, yo, none of y'all saw that. Like none of y'all saw me catch that ball on the side. They're like, dude, what are you talking about? So that, 
I'm thinking for the rest of my life, I got to tell this story on like how I caught the ball on the sideline. With no and, proof, and no, no eyewitnesses. Yeah, nobody's ever going to believe me ever, right? And then at halftime, uh, one of my boys, I'll see, he's like, yo, bro, you're on NFL, like you're on NFL's Instagram. And it blew like, bro, I got mad DMs, mad, like everybody going crazy. I was like, yes, I don't have to, I don't have to prove <laughs> You get your nobody. moment in the spotlight. You got you to gotta own that, you know? That was super, it was, and I'm glad that the moment came with a catch and not me getting ran over by a player because that's usually how it happens like the player dives into you and the camera person gets like knocked on their butt like that's usually that claim to fame moment it came when i catch so i was glad that happened that was cool that was cool too but just being just being in the environment overall is like you know you you try to take in the whole the whole experience and not just like singular moments just try to like really take in the, the the entire experience that's crazy highlight so i love it great job one more question on the nfl we're going to move on to the next topic um what's the gear you use i feel like i always talk to people and i'm not a i'm not a gearhead gear like i love gear but i don't like just but i i i think it's good for people to know what someone at your level uses for sure because i would ask people that too so it's like you know it's good to know um i use it i was last year i used a sony a7s3 i just bought a sony fx3 but i was using the a7s3 um i had it on a tilt a shoulder mount so i had it on the shoulder mount sat here in front of me i had one handle that controlled a a nucleus m like follow focus that i would use for the zoom because the autofocus on the sony is so good that i didn't have to use it for manual focus it sometimes would go blurry but for the most part i wouldn't have to use it it's pretty good yeah yeah so i use the motor handle for zooming in zooming in and out to keep it more stable Uh, another handle just to hit record and stop and then I would either flip between a 70 to 200 Sony lens um, or a 50 to 400 Tamron lens that I bought just for football. That's during the game. And then pregame, I would have a 28 to 75 Tamron lens. That's the that's the money lens. So that's the goat, bro. Yeah. I, I love I, that Tamron I lens. It's my, such, my, such my good value. Just, that, or that lens just like died on me i think oh. like six months ago i sent it in to get it fixed they fixed like the rack the rack focus issue but it's still a little blurry but i've been using that lens bro for like maybe four or five years and it's, yeah i've had mine for three years and yeah. it's still kicking like yeah. every um, every shoot like they use it for everything so i, I love that thing why did you end up going to the FX3 already having the A7S3? It obviously uh, being a, yeah, the same I mean, the camera F- per I mean, se. The FX, so I wanted to get the FX6 for real, for real, but it doesn't record sound when it records 120 frames a second. And I'm like a super slow motion head. I, I love, 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 love me some slow motion, but I also need to be able to keep that sound just in case, yeah. you know, it ends up being a play and the player has a good sound bite after it. So. I couldn't get the FX6 sadly because I would just be sacrificing too much of the work that I love to do, the edits that I love to do. Um, so I got the FX3 because A, it's good to have a, a B camera. You know, if I do interviews, if I do podcasts or something like that, it's always good to have a B angle. And um, I don't know. I mean, they they advertise it as having a better sensor, having a little bit more dynamic range. So it's I mean, the same thing yeah <laughs> it's supposed to be better but i think it was more so just for me to have um a newer camera and have a b camera if i needed to so if i wanted to switch from a long range lens to a short range lens real quick then i could 
um, whenever I needed to. So, but I tell myself it has a better dynamic range on the sensor just so I can sleep at night. Cause so you can justify. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I, it's funny. I, I also have the a seven S three. Yeah. I've had it for three years now. I love it. Love it. And now part of me is like, Oh, I want another camera. I'm looking at like FX three, FX 30, uh, like the, what is that new one? The ZEV one, which is like this yes. in a mini form. Like there's yes. so many similar, but I, I actually want to say the one thing that I really like that you mentioned is that, or the one thing I notice here, and this goes into the whole trap of does gear matter, but you said no to a better camera in the FX6 because it doesn't justify your creative means. Exactly. So is obviously that's important to you. You need the gear you have to, yeah. to work for you. Even though the FX6 is a better camera than the FX3, mm-hmm. you decided to not go with it because it didn't, didn't affect your creative choice. And I, I really like that because I feel like a lot of people, especially kids coming in, think you need, you know, immediately think FX6, that, that's what you need. But yeah. it doesn't always work that way, right? No, especially sure. in your scenario just for now. For sure. No, 100%. And it really hurt to not get the FX6 because I want, I've been wanting it for like I've been thinking about the red Komodo and the FX6 for like years now, bro. Just because like the color on it is so good. That ND filter is elite. And it's, you know, it's just so easy to carry. It's so great for documentary work, stuff like that. So I've wanted it for so long. But like you said, at the end of the day, like my workflow, if I want to make one of those black and white, super slow-mo edits, like I can't, I, the only way I can do that with FX6 is if I burn audio and it's, it's too valuable, especially in live content. Like you need to have audio ready to go. You can't just, yeah, and you, you can't, can't just switch from one. Yeah. You, yeah. You need to have it rolling with yes. audio for sure. You can't have, you can't create the soundscape between the touchdown and the kickoff. So you need to have it ready. So, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. going to still get the FX6 for sure eventually when I uh, yeah. get back up there. But yeah. But it's also not just that camera though. Like you got to get ready to buy all the accessories too. You know what I'm saying? Like when I got the FX3, I, it was like an extra $200 in small accessories, like NATO the rails, cage, yeah, rails exactly. stuff like rails, that. Cage, like the shoulder mount is what gives me stable shots, not the camera. You know what I'm saying? Like I got the A7S3 and I was showing up to high school games with shoulder mounts and people were looking at me crazy. Now all these high school kids got like entry level shoulder mounts because they realize you got all them points of contact. You have that easy zoom like your shots are nobody wants to watch the shot that's like going like this. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to watch that. And if they do watch it, it's because it's the only thing available. You know what they always say about like the the fight, the cameraman who records the fight on a cell phone or her cell phone. Like you, you notice if it's a, like a, if the fight is always in frame, the people comment like, oh, this camera person is elite. You know what I'm saying? Like they're always yeah. like, this camera person is elite because nobody wants to watch that shaky hands moving all over. Like they want to watch a smooth play. If you're watching NFL films, those shots are stable as can be. It's like they're on a, it's like they're on a pole in the ground or something like that. So yeah. That, that extra having the A7S3 and the autofocus was the biggest key, but having that shoulder mount is what separated me from the rest of the people around me. So. It's funny that you that you use a shoulder mount because everyone I know who shoots football, including myself, like I use a hi hat. People yeah. use monopods. People, you know, handheld yeah. it with the with the the, the top handle. I, You're I the have, first person I know who uses a shoulder mount, yeah. and like it works, right? I'm not no, I'm not sure, chirping sure. it, but it's super interesting. I, I had the hi hat for like one football game, and I was just like, I can't do this. Now I will say. I have recently been looking into the hi-hat with the the square bottom because like the hi-hat I had had like the three legs. So when I had to quickly move 20 yards, re, you know, uh, put it down and kind of like 
recalibrate it you know one of the legs that gets stuck in the ground somewhere or not be even and now i'm like i can't really see all that well so i was looking at one with like the square base so i could just like plop it on the ground and get to moving because i even with the shoulder mount there is a, a bit there's not as much steadiness as with the hi-hat you know of course. Saying? So you there's there's pros and cons to each thing. You know, I'm a little bit more mobile with the shoulder mount, but I have definitely been looking into the the square bottom hi hat because I'm like I, I want to get more stable. I really I want to get like hard knocks, hard knocks with the NFL stable. You know, so you're always that's the thing. Like once you start getting into camera work full time, like you really every day looking into what gear can I get to upgrade this little thing to make it easier for me or better for me or better for the shop. No, I love that. Moving on to the next thing I want to talk about. We obviously touched on that. You and I got in touch for the NHL. Yeah. We got you into the LSC. You shot the whole Sabres season. Yeah. Uh, Number one question I have about that is obviously I've shot both football and hockey and I know how different they are as well. This was your first year doing it. What was the biggest challenge you found going from football to hockey? It was my first time filming hockey like ever. Like in my life. And so, it's the NHL. Yeah, it is the NHL. So it was like, I learned quickly that NHL is more of a sport where you keep the play in the middle, not the ball. So football and basketball, you keep the ball in the middle. Like you, you frame the ball. You don't frame the, the action, right? Hockey, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the puck has got to get to the net. You know, however the players got to do it, they got to get it to the net. So once I kind of learned, okay, just frame the play, frame where the play is going to go. Because, you know, the hockey, bro, the hockey puck's move is so damn fast. And if you don't necessarily know the workings, the in and outs to hockey, you don't know, like, okay, he's probably going to pass it to the defenseman now to swing it around. And he's going to attack the middle of the zone, go behind the net. Like with basketball, I can kind of see like, oh, he dribbled to this lane and his left is about to open up. So I can, I can kind of guess where that ball is about to go hockey I don't, I don't necessarily know any of that so i'm just like looking at this this hockey puck flying around and i'm like oh this is crazy so once i kind of learned to just keep the play in frame everything became so much easier and like the game became so much slower for me to film and that's when i started catching those crazy goals like you know the boys are scoring right in front of me and then skating right around like going, yeah right in front of, right in front of the camera um so shooting nhl once i kind of like learned the process of the plays was super fun super fun i don't love being on the glass i don't necessarily love looking through the glass i feel like you know it's just like a layer that warps the image yeah it's like having a having like a diffusion filter like in like a big thick yeah i know what you mean it's tough and another thing is like with hockey there's so many less highlights you know so you'll spend three hours at a game but there might only be two goals that come to you all night you know, in basketball, you walk away with 80 clips. You know, football, yeah. you walk away with 100 clips. They might not all be touchdowns, but a 12-yard gain could be a, a crazy one-handed catch, or it could it could just be a 12-yard gain. It's like a, a, a play that you keep. So, like, at the end of a hockey game, I probably keep, like, you know, 30 clips, like 15 saves, maybe 20 saves, five hits, Couple. and, like, five yeah. goals if I catch them. So that's another thing with hockey. You, you don't feel like you're sitting around, you know, at hockey just waiting for the action. It's not like it's boring or anything like that, but it's just, like, you got to stay on your toes because, A, you never know when that goal is. They can literally be on the other side and be scoring in front of you in, like, a matter of six seconds. You got to be mm-hmm. on your feet. But, yeah, it's just, like, less less highlights to uh, keep after the game. So it makes it tougher for, like, making a reel, I feel like. Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense. It's true. It's like when you shoot a football game, you can get five touchdowns. You can you, basketball is like 
if you go from basketball to hockey and you're expecting yeah. to get all those clips, like you're in for a rough time. Like yeah. I know, so like I shoot the bigger events and I might shoot five or six games events a year and I might have like five goals yeah. from that, like from that. Right. So it's, it's Bro. a complete, you kind of always have to be going versus like if you're shooting for a team in football, you can kind of hang around a little bit if they're all the way down to the other end of the field. Like yes. hockey, it's like, like you said, quick turnaround. They're on a odd man break and that thing's in the back of the net and yeah. you've barely hit record. So it definitely takes a little bit more of like anticipation. What I really like you mentioning is that like you said, knowing the sport really helped hockey. You kind of have to learn on the fly for someone who's going to shoot a new sport for the first time. How important is it to kind of familiarize yourself with it? Can you talk a little bit about yeah, it's, that? It's, it's important for sure. Um, I would say like, if you're looking to make content off of stuff, you definitely at least want to know who the players are because um, at least with the social media world, like, a uh, not, I'm not going to say a lot, but it, it kind of does matter who's in the shot versus what the shot is. So if you have a crazy good shot of Jason Robertson from the stars, it could be it could blow up a lot more than a shot of, you know, the stars third lineup defenseman. You know what I'm saying? It could be the same like arrivals. For a perfect example is arrival shots. Like most of the time the arrival shots is like Jack Eichel and um then other Tage dudes, Thompson other dudes or whatever, that like, play for play for Vegas. I'm trying to think of uh like Marsha Saul and Stoner yeah. Stoner, right? Um, you're not necessarily, it's not that like nobody cares about these other guys, but it's like, those are the big ticket names. So the guys who got clicks. Yes. So when, so for the bills is Josh Allen. Like I could post a pic of Josh Allen, like literally just blinking and it'll blow up. But people are, oh my God, Josh Allen. Oh my God, Josh Allen. Like this is my quarterback. He's my future. You know what I'm saying? So it's good to familiar, familiarize yourself with the players that you're filming. If you're looking to create content that will have a little more context to it. Cause you want to get those guys or those girls that get more pop to their name. But then also like just knowing the sport, cause you got to think, especially at that level, like there are 15 cameras at the NHL game, you know, what's going to set your shots apart that make it to social. Because at the end of the day, like the NHL could just post the broadcast goal if they want to, you know what I mean? Like they could, you know, I could be there. I could be filming the whole game. I could be in the right corner for every goal but if I don't, if I don't familiarize myself with where the puck is going and I don't get that shot, like they're just going to use the broadcast goal. They're just going to use the goal that they catch from TV. So it's like when you're working in that environment, you want to have yourself posted. Like you're not just there just to be there. You know, you want to have your videos posted. You want to like go on Twitter on NHL's Twitter and, and see like, your video yeah, going and be popping like, That's off. my yeah. stuff right there. So like if you want to get that shot, you got to know a, not too much. You got to know a little bit about like where, where the puck is going, where the ball is going. So yeah. It, and then, and then there's that off field stuff to familiarize your stuff with like, um, like how players throw pucks into the crowd before the game. Usually like I didn't, I didn't know they did that until I was like at the warmups, which is, that's like a, that's like a social media must have like, cause it's like to the, for the kids yes. and the families and you stuff. Saying the same thing with football. When Diggs is playing catch with this random kid, like that is a must have because it's humanity. It's, it's, it's them relating to the crowd. Like, that hockey that's a thing they take a puck and they throw it over the glass or they they put it through the little photo hole and like this little kid's life is made better so there's stuff like that that you got from like there is times in hockey where like i've seen like a hall of famer in the building i don't know who this guy is because i don't i don't know him you know what i'm saying but if i knew who he was 
I would be able to take a, a video of him and it might go on social and it might blow up. Like I saw Peyton Manning at the Bills game in uh, when we played Cincy. Obviously, I know who Peyton Manning is. So I'm, even if he's just walking, it's like they're going to post that Peyton Manning is in the building. So it's it's good to familiarize with whatever yourself, with whatever sport you're you're shooting for sure. So moving on from the content capture side of things, we talked about obviously the importance of knowing what gear to use and knowing the sport and and just knowing what to look out for. I think something that's not really talked about and something you mentioned you wanted to talk about before we even started rolling was the business side of things and actually making this a livable career. Can you just talk about a bit of how you turned this passion into a business and like what's important to know for people who are just starting off that there's way more to this than just the creative? No, for sure. And a perfect example of that is um, when I was filming LeBron and Bronny in New York and that whole AAU event, you know, it was it was a three day event. It was like eight games for two of the days. And then it was like six games the one other day. Um, and that same weekend that I shot that I came home that weekend and I was doing Uber because, you know, I had to get some money for the weekend. So it was a super great opportunity for me to shoot. And that's how I looked at it. You know, I flew myself out to New York. I knew people who lived in New York. So I just stayed with them The pay for the event. Wasn't really that great. They ended up canceling the last day of the event. So we didn't even get paid for like the last day. Cause like the gym conditions were the floor was like too wet or something like that. Um, but it was more of an opportunity job and that's what I took it as. So stuff like that as you're coming up and that that's like the necessary evil in the creation game is like when you're trying to build a resume you got you just have to do any work you can find even if it's not work it might be free but at some point you really got to look at this stuff for the value that it has and um the value that it has to a company and the value that it has to whoever is trying to hire you like it's it's not you're not an ordinary employee you're not an ordinary worker you know you're a creative you're making something out of nothing So this something that you're making out of nothing that's going to a business is going to help that business multiply. So even though we're so used to hourly rates, we're so used to um, just like what people usually spend on something. I'm in the process of learning it right now. Like you really have to learn into you really have to learn and study what your work can become. So if I do a, a package of content for a gym, how many how many uh, people can this gym get to come and subscribe to their fitness package with this video? And and how much is that really worth? Like if this gym ends up getting a hundred new subscribers and each subscriber is a thousand a year, like that's a hundred thousand dollars in business. So for me to be out there, you know, I'm charging $500 for a shoot. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking crazy for that. You know what I mean? And it's, I've never really loved having the conversation of like money, money, money with people because it's just awkward in the first place. But also at the same time, like as a creative, you spend so much time trying to find out how to be more creative, how to do this new effect, how to apply this LUT, how to email this, you know, this team, how to what gear you need to find. But there's really not a lot of stuff out there telling you how to do your daily rates, how to value you know, how to do value-based pricing for video, how to package um, retainer fees for clients and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, creative burnout is a real thing and you don't want to run into that. You know what I'm saying? So you want to do these jobs and you want to value them appropriately. So you're not just like grinding your bones into the ground. Like when I think about how I'm going, when I'm 60, I don't want to be running around with a shoulder mount. You know what I'm saying? When I'm 50, I don't want to be running around with a shoulder mount. I want to be shooting more stuff that I enjoy and I want it to be a little bit more 
you know, even kill a little bit more slow paced. So as a freelancer, you're not, you're not really thinking about retirement. You're thinking about, you know, making that next bill, making that next job. So I feel like for young creatives, they're always worried about breaking into the scene that they're never really like focused on setting themselves up for the future. And at the end of the day, like working for these pro leagues is super, super cool, like super enjoyable, super amazing. But at the same time, if I have a behind the scenes job or a behind the scenes gig that I have that makes up 50% of my income for the year and nobody knows about it on social and it's not for pro league, like that's just, if not more valuable. You know what I'm saying? Because especially when you're paying rent and you're living by yourself, like if one gig can pay your rent, like that's huge. Yes. A million percent. And the thing about getting big jobs on your portfolio, like if I have a gig that'll pay my month's rent and it takes me a week to do it, or even if it pays my month's rent or even more than that, takes me a week to do it. I now, not that I'm going to just rest on my laurels, but I have three weeks to go out and shoot stuff to build my resume and my portfolio. Now, one of the issues in Buffalo was that we don't really have too many big pro-ams. We don't really have too many, um, you know, big events that are coming to town. I had to go to Akron to shoot Bronny and LeBron. I had to go to New York to shoot Bronny and LeBron. I had to go to Alabama to film the SEC, like Alabama versus, um, Kentucky? Nah. Yeah. Versus Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? So if I have my business straight and I know about licensing and stuff like that, and these big checks come in, I can afford myself to space to go out to these big events. I could go to an EYBL event, try to get a media pass, film an EYBL weekend, make some connections there. And that turns into more jobs. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't have the money to buy yourself that time, you're just going to be grinding out at whatever job you're at each day. You know, you're just going to be picking up all these smaller jobs. Now, I'm not t- I'm not saying like we need to get out there and charge millions of dollars like nah, like but at the same time, like try to learn as much as you're YouTubing how to do this random effect, YouTube licensing photos, YouTube uh, value based pricing. That's what I'm doing right now. Like I'm in back in YouTube university, just trying to not even trying to like up the prices, but just trying to make them to where they should be at. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like if you're a young creator, just as much as you're learning about your gear and your effects and your technique, you have to learn about the business. Cause at the end of the day, if you're a freelancer, you're a business. If you're not fully employed by whatever you want, you are a business. And that profit and loss sheet is real. And if you can't keep up with it, you're going to be going, you're going to be Ubering on the weekends. Like I was, you're going to be, you know, you got to take up that part-time job. And when you take up that part-time job, this, you know, trip to Kentucky comes up. Hey, we need somebody to shoot our basketball game. Nah, I can't do it. I got to work. I can't call off work. You know what I'm saying? And that's heartbreaking to see like, yeah, just to have to go through. I can't go to this big gig because I got work. Not that I'm, you know, some people just call off work or quit that job so you can go do it. But you might feel like you can't do it because you got work. And those missed. No, like, that's that's awesome. Having the availability to do stuff and just turn stuff down. Like last week, I did the doc with Micah Hyde, or two weeks ago in San Diego. If I had a nine to five, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't be able to. Time do is like, money. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna go to San Diego and shoot this doc with Micah on my own time. On my like for a whole couple of days in San Diego on my own time. I'm just gonna do that. No, because I gotta go to work. So it's once you learn about the business, it really it frees you up and. I mean, shoot, I think video is a profitable career. You don't got to be, you know, you don't got to be whatever the saying is. You don't have to be making a super low amount. Like you can, you can make a good amount on video and still do something you love. 
No, and, dude, so many. So, oh, he's got another one. No, nah, no. Nah, and exposure and whatever. Don't let nobody pay you with no exposure. Whatever, however they want to say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've had plenty of organizations, people. I got more followers than you. Like, me posting your stuff is going to mean a lot for you. Like, nah, bro. Don't fall into that cycle. You know what I'm saying? Know, know when to go for the opportunity jobs and the non-opportunity jobs. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That was a little rant. My- no, I was going to say so many gems and he dropped another one right there. There are so many big tips. And I, I was just about to ask you, like, what's your one tip for a young creative gang star? I don't even have to ask that because, like, that all is something that I genuinely think. It not only is, I mean, I think it's talked about more in the general creative freelance space, but not yeah. really in sports because, you know it's not really as much freelance as it is full-time and part-time to a degree. But I think you make such a good point that like you have to get acquainted with all these things. Like it's not just picking up your camera is like the, is 50% of it. The other 50% yes. is like making sure you're able to keep a consistent income, making sure you're able to connect with people. Networking is like, you just said it, you'll go to a weekend and network with people like such a big part of the industry that no one talks about. So I'm really glad that you touched on all those points because it's something that is always missed out. Um, the next thing I want to, unless you have something to add to it. No, 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 that's, that's, and, and I, I agree. Networking is, if I were to give like one tip between learning a business and OB, like networking, you know, pe- meeting people is super, uh, super important and not, not, I was just on a call with somebody the other day and they were asking me like similar stuff and not trying to like force your relationship with people like, Hey, let's meet up and let's shoot all this stuff together. You know what I'm saying? But like just staying in the same space, following them on Instagram, commenting on stuff that they make like, Hey man, mm-hmm. this is fire. Or, you know, whatever the guy or girl makes like, this is fire. This is heat. You don't have to be like overbearing to be in somebody's network. You know what I'm saying? Just like try to stay positive, try to stay genuine above all things and have your stuff ready so that when they're in a room with somebody else mentioning people's names, your name will come up and you have your real ready. Cause like literally I just got a, a, a gig with the PGA off of somebody that mentioned me like in a room that I wasn't in. And he was like, Hey, this is a guy that I know he's super good. I just got a text like four days ago about it. Like that's, that's stuff that I couldn't do with my socials. That's more about like my personality. So yeah, it's just like how you present yourself to people. And I think that's a great thing to keep in mind. It's like, you don't know who's talking about you, but everything we do for the most part is word of mouth. Yeah. You know, like somebody obviously said it to someone else. And like, that's why, you know, being in general, just someone easy to work with, personable is also an underrated thing. And I I like that you mentioned that a lot. You mentioned like, I don't want to be 60 years old with a steady, like a cam on my shoulder. You know, I I think it's important to know where you want to go and have an objective in the next five to 10 years. Where are we going to see Joshua? Where are we going to see you? What, What do you want to make out of this career by the end of it all? To be honest, like I would like to get, I would like to get in the short doc space. Um, I see a lot of stuff like some people that I watch on YouTube that I really try to emulate is like Danny Gewurz. Love um, Danny. Nick in the Cut. I don't know if you ever seen Nick in the Cut. He does like short docs with like high school basketball players, bro. Fire. Fire. So stuff like that. I, I mean, I don't want to be like a YouTuber, but it would be cool to have YouTube fund like passion projects. That would be dope. So. Are we going to see you open up a channel or what? Yeah, like we're, we're, we got to, we got to put you on yeah, the cam here. I got to start doing like talking head videos, bro. And I just like, oh man, I just got to do it though. I just got to do it. Yeah. I don't know. You just got to like, hop into it. Sometimes like when you, you feel like 
you got to keep up with that. Like, bro, doing YouTube is a lot, bro. That's all. I know you know, Mr. 5K. I know you know, <laughs> Mr. 5K. Yeah, I mean, it is a prop, but it's like, it's, a, it's an investment too, oh, right? Sure. Like, that's a way to like put yourself in situations to meet people. To, and, and I think it just like, I, I didn't get paid on YouTube for the first two years. Same yeah. thing as when I was shooting sports. I, yeah. I don't get paid for the first like yeah. year and a half. But eventually it's all a time investment, yeah. right? So I definitely would like to do that. Um, I want to have other streams of income, like owning houses and stuff like that, like rental houses and stuff like that, or owning other businesses. Like I want to have other stuff that will fund my ability to just go to these shoots. Like I want to shoot college football championships. I wouldn't mind, like I would never mind taking like a full-time job or a job with a team. You know, it just has to make sense because I've been two mm -hmm. years on my own experiencing what it's like to wake up and be able to do a podcast with my boy because I have the time. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have to be at work right now. So enjoying that and seeing the value in that and seeing, you know, how much I can make. I ain't raking in nothing crazy, but seeing that I can still survive and be able to enjoy these things is super nice. But I definitely would be open to like working full time with a team, whether it be NFL or NBA or, or NHL or whatever. Um, but if not that, then literally I just want to continue bouncing around and, and filming at these big events, filming at these big, huge games, and then also getting a little bit into that short doc side, maybe on a little yeah. YouTube. But then outside of that, having other business ventures, ventures, bro. Like I said, like, whether it's real estate or like having business at owning a laundromat, something random like that. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to take more vacations every year. I'm trying to chill, yeah. trying to relax. You know what I'm saying? So I That's definitely, awesome. I definitely want to get more uh, streams of income and, and, you know, just and again, for anyone out. listening who's like young and sort of like, trust me, this stuff comes down the line. But like, again, you need to start thinking of this stuff down the line because That's, at yeah. some point you don't want to just you want to do more than what you're doing now. Yes. Like you want to keep pushing towards the next thing. Like I really relate on the short film stuff like down the line. I want to do more documentary yeah, work like that's 100 percent something that's down my lane. And it's just making the time for that and having all those additional revenue streams helps so much with like allowing you to take that time to make that work. Yeah. And that's like one of the things, I guess. I would say like I would want to change is I just wish I started earlier, you know, because I'm like 28. Don't we all though? Like, you know, yeah, you're always going to feel like that. And I don't I don't want people to feel like it's too late to start and stuff like that. Or, you know, it's too late to get in whatever you want to get into. Um, But I definitely do like wish I took video like real serious at like 17 or 18. And, and I could just be on like a little different, um, just like a, 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 a earlier projectile path or earlier projected path so if if you are and i say that to say if you are like i just did my first <clears throat> like real short doc and i should have did that three years ago when i had it in my head like i used to do little like podcast interview type shows where i would sit down with an athlete and ask them about their journey but that's different from like a doc you know what i'm saying it's, it's different yeah. so i wish i would started it three years ago but that didn't stop me from doing it two weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say that to say, I wish I started earlier, but if there's something you want to do, just start doing it and, and just keep doing it and keep doing it. And if you stay at it, you'll get good at it. And you're probably, you're probably turned into something. No. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great way of looking about like the longevity of having a career and not, not yeah. all, like, especially if you're young, like make sure you're taking seriously, but it's also never too, too late to start and, and getting into this line of work. I really do think that's a really key piece of advice that you just gave. 
Uh, moving on to the second to last part, uh, did we get to, we did get some questions from the Instagram, a couple that I'll go through. Uh, I'm going to try something new here with you for this podcast. I'm just going to do a series of really quick questions and you don't have to give me a long detailed answer. It's kind of like a this or that. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, because I yeah, feel like yeah. these are things that like are easy to engage with and people can relate with. All right. First question. Favorite camera brand. Uh, Sony. What's your least favorite camera brand? Uh <laughs> I don't, I don't have one, bro. Uh, I don't know. Nikon, you don't have to answer if you don't have one. Nikon, I guess. Nikon, because everyone just shits on them all yeah, the time. We'll go with that. Uh, if you could only, if you could, if you could only have, <laughs> if you could only have one lens, is it a seventy to two hundred or twenty four to seventy? And it can be like an equivalent. If you could only have one, it has to be twenty four to seventy because yeah, it has to be. I do too much with it. I know you're a big shoulder mount guy, but handheld or gimbal work? Oh, that's so tough. Oh, I hate gimbals. So no, bro. Oh my god, that's so tough. I have to do handheld. The gimbal is just too much to carry. I use a gimbal way more than handheld, and I have shaky hands. I could never be a doctor, but like, a gimbal is too much to travel with, bro. It's too much to travel with. It's too much. Just get good at hand. Right, just get right. good at handheld. Learn it. Um, what's your biggest pet peeve as a creative? Oh, my biggest pet peeve as a creative. Um, just like people being entitled, people being entitled to like free work. What do you mean by that? Like I expand a little bit what you mean. Um, So just like if you go out and shoot something, like especially in sports, they're like, hey, send me these clips. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, 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 nah, yeah, yeah. We got to we got to set up some business for this. And they just like I let you just assuming they're going to get it because they asked you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, nah, bro. Okay. All right. No, that's a good one. Uh, what's your dream event to shoot? Dream sporting event? Jeez. Dream sporting event would have to be probably the NBA finals. NBA finals would be sweet. Yeah. Nice. Or, or uh, the Olympics or, or NBA or, or the Olympics, but basketball in the Olympics. The, ba- the gold, the, the, yeah, the Olympic basketball. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, what's the most overdone trend in the sports creative space? Oh, bro. <laughs> The most overdone trend in the in the sports creative world. That's crazy because I do it all the time. Yeah, so, man. If you do motion. it, there's no knocking it. Slow you know, <laughs> slow motion. <laughs> Just slow mo clips everything. Slow mo everything, man. Um, what sucks more, pulling selects or finding music? Finding music. Oh my god! Especially if you, especially if you're working off of like a a non copyright website, you know, cause you have to follow the rules sometimes if you got to make a video for a company and you got to pull some, pull some music off it to make the video work. It's like, dude, it take you a half hour to find 30 seconds of a song. And then when you yeah. edit it, you don't even like the song trash. Uh, last question. What's your dream camera setup? Man, I, I like the red. Um, I like the red a lot. I realize that I think they only do manual focus, which I mean, real cinematographers do that. But I also, I think the Ari would end up being my dream one just because I see so many NFL films, people working with the Ari. So I think when I get super leveled up and I'm just throwing cash in the toilet, I'm going to buy an Ari. Perfect. Uh, Twitter or threads? Twitter. Come on, bro. Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> TikTok or Instagram Twitter for your work. Dead. Instagram. I mean, TikTok, yeah, okay. TikTok don't got as much music available. So I'll post a video that I made on Instagram, bro. 
throw it on TikTok. Your sound has been removed. Da, 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 da. Like they have the sound on TikTok, but it don't line up the way I already got it lined up. So that's fair. I'd be like, bro, I'm not about to put, I'm not about to re-edit this video to make it work for TikTok. I don't care that much. So what I end up doing is I end up posting those Pokemon, uh, teams on tiktok like those are that's my tiktok just me getting a bunch of pokemon <laughs> teams and like ranking ranking movies like come on bro all right all right uh great answers we're gonna move on really quickly there's a few that people submitted on the instagram yeah. just a couple that really you answered a lot of these so yeah, if you're sure. listening and i didn't get your question it's because he probably already answered it yeah uh there's like two specifically here that i do think apply really well to our conversation before we wrap up uh this comes from I can't say is like this, but it's like keys in 79. He asks, how do you prepare yourself slash your gear for the crazy Buffalo weather? Because bro, I know y'all get some nasty winners honestly, down there. Yeah. Last, last season wasn't bad. I was blessed. We had one rainy game and maybe one real snowy game. Um, it's tough. Cause with the shoulder mount, you have a lot of stuff. Like there's not just a, uh, there's not a rain cover that covers all that stuff. You know what I mean? And with the Tamron lens, the barrel extends. So that snow, when you extend the barrel, can fall right onto that part of the lens and get, and get it a little messed up. So I have a rain cover that'll cover the camera body. I kind of like rubber band it to the end of the lens if the, if the Velcro won't stick it tough enough. And then I just like pray. I just pray to be honest. <laughs> you don't prepare. You just yeah, pray, bro. Like, I, and, and, and it's good to have, um, cause like I have the handles too that aren't going to be covered. And one of them, you know, <clears throat> uses like batteries and stuff. So it has electrical components. I might throw like a, a shirt on top of that hand or just like a towel or something like that. Like I, I try to take notes of when it's those snowy games, I take notes of what the NFL films people are doing. They have the vets, they have the guys towels. who've been yes, around the people who have, but they have like three assistants with them. So it's a little easier, but they have like towels that cover the cameras when the play is not going. They have, you know, specific coverage made for the camera. So I try to take notes of that and be like, all right, I need to buy one of those. Um, but if I'm caught off guard, I'll just grab the hoodie that I brought and use that to cover my hand so the water doesn't get all in the the handle. So dressing is not an issue. I've I've been in Buffalo my whole life, so wearing enough layers is fine. Um, but yeah, getting getting coverage over all the camera stuff. I have like the think tank cover that's made for my camera, but I just pray that it covers all the other stuff and it don't get too bad. So Okay, great. No, I love that. I know I know myself, like I've shot a few snowy games, I've shot a few rainy games, so I know I know the struggle. Uh the, the next question here from Fungtastic Productions asks, have you ever found that your work peaked and because of that you found yourself in a creative rut? I wouldn't say peaked, but like uh those like black and white videos that I make, sometimes I feel like the timeline has had enough of them. Um but then like five minutes later I'd be like, it don't really matter because it's what I want to make. You know what I mean? So when I see stuff blow up, like stupid videos, like I swear, st stupid videos, like Stefan Diggs walking. Like I literally exported a video one time and I named it Stefan Diggs walking. This is dumb. <laughs> I, I think I saw it, that in your story. Posted on Instagram, 500,000 views. Like, all right, bro. So, so at the end of the day, like I know people want the, you know, the, just the trendy, like, they just want that that motivational quote stuff, you know, which is cool. You know, I do make it sometimes, but if I don't have the energy and I don't like have the drive or like the inspiration to make it like, no. And if I'd rather cut up 
Steph highlights in black and white to a sad song, then I'm going to do that instead. Because at the end of the day, I enjoy doing that. And when I when I watch it after I export it, I say to myself, damn, this shit's fire. So that's all that matters. I'll make I'll make the context, you know, I'll, I'll feed the timeline here and there. But I'm more I'm more about making stuff that I also enjoy. So but creative ruts get real. But, you know, they'll come and go. They'll come and go. But seeing yeah. your work as peaking. Nah, you, you always have room to grow. So you'll never peak. Yeah, I think it's like I, I always say, like you're always uh, the student, never the teacher. Always. Like you always have to keep learning. And like, bro, I was watching I, YouTube yesterday. I, think- I was, I'm watching your video yesterday, how to get a job in sports. <laughs> I already got a job in sports, and I'm watching the video. Like, come on now. Yeah, you just. I, I think that's the thing. If you feel like you're you're in a rut, or you feel like you're peaking, like just remind yourself. Like, there's so much else. Like, especially if you're new here, and I find this with a lot of young creatives. You make one video, you blow up, and you think like, oh, yeah. I've made it. Like, no, there's so it's just much like an athlete, more. bro. You throw 30 touchdowns one year. You throw three touchdowns in one game. The next game you throw zero and two interceptions, you're trash. Is he does mm-hmm. he really got it? Does he really got it? Like, nah, bro, you gotta keep coming it's back. It's a long and play, back man. And, it's back. A, you, you, and there's nothing wrong with like using not the same edits, but like using the same stuff. Like I I use bro, for the last year I've used the same little film burn transition on like ninety percent of my highlight hey, videos. Hey, if it ain't broke, right. don't fix if it, it ain't bro. Broke, it takes up 0.5 seconds of the video like just and it, it looks on. nice yes exactly as long as you're not doing that every single fucking cut then yes, we're fine because exactly. there's, there's those people who post yeah. the video and every single cut is a filmer and i'm like stop exactly <laughs> throw a sprinkle one or you know two or three of them in there and then you know a hard cut a hard cut here and there is nice i can exactly. appreciate a hard cut you know what i'm saying for sure no for sure bro all right that brings us to the end of the podcast josh thank you so much man for making the time for for letting us chop it up and and talk about what you got going on and giving your advice i appreciate it man for sure but hey tell these people to empty their trash bins trim their clips go through (laughs) it save yourself a hard drive we didn't talk about okay give me really quick here what's your process to like chopping up your clips and like storing like making more so more storage for context Every time I see on Josh's story, he posts himself dumping old clips that he doesn't need. He's so good at organizing. Give us the quick little details there. So working in live content, you have to be able to find stuff super fast. Um, And then when you make a reel at the end of the year, you want to be able to find stuff that you shot earlier in the year. So after a sporting event, I rename, I log, it's called logging all my footage, right? So last or two weekends ago, I think July, whatever. I shot a tournament in Rochester, had a total of 600 clips, maybe 650 clips from like, I don't know, seven games. They're all in 4K. They're all 120 frames a second, right? So this is- Chunky files, man. Chunky. So I think I started off with like 360 gigabytes of data. And my my hard drive is only four terabyte, tetrabytes, whatever it is, four TB. So I can only do so many of those tournaments, right? So when I go through all the footage, I rename all of them by the date first and then whatever the event is. So it's like the year. So it's like 230721, like July 7th mm-hmm. or July 21st. And then it'll say Rochester Keepers. And then from there, they all have like, you know, they all rename that. Go through each clip. If it's a bucket, I really rename it, you know, Demarius Dunk, top play. Demarius Layup. It's not a top play, so I leave it out there. If it's a missed shot, because I'm starting to stop in between each clip. If it's a missed shot, I don't rename it. 
when I get down to those at the end of the 600 clips, I ended up deleting 360 clips of missed layups, missed three pointers, turnovers. That's awesome. Bad angles at clips. Like I went from 350 gigs to, I don't know, a hundred and and storage space is money. Yeah, but bro, that that solid and I, I'm on a solid state drive. It's not like a hard drive. So them solid state drives are like four hundred dollars, and I, I just bought one. That's such an underrated thing, and I know I I told myself this year I'm gonna log my footage. I still haven't fucking done it. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. After the how, NHL how long games, does it take you? How long? How oh, long? How much time th- do you dedicate to, get to that? To get through those six hundred clips took me three and a half hours. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. And that's like that's part of the part of the grind. Also another thing I've been doing is logging my hours in the Excel sheet so I can see how long I first of all I can keep myself accountable because sometimes yeah. sometimes I hit like two and a half hours and I'd be like, Yeah, I'm done for the day. Then I'm like, hold on, I only worked two and a half hours today. Like, nah, I'm not done for the day. It's time to log back in. But um it helps me keep up with how many hours I'm actually working and also like my rates and not that I want people to do an hourly rate. But like when I'm giving quotes for jobs and I'm estimating how long it'll take me, I, I want to be as accurate as I can. So with these jobs, you know, if another basketball t- tournament comes up, I can say, okay, two days of shooting, four hours of organ logging, six hours of editing recaps, blah, 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 blah. So I've been doing that as well. But like at the end of NHL games, my f- like folders for NHL games would be like 110 gigs. I cut it down 17 gigs. You know what I'm saying? Just from from all the footage that was actually usable, like not people just skating and passing the puck, like hits, saves, goals, fan fan reactions, stuff like that. So, bro, if, if you don't and and on top of that, I'm also trimming down the good plays, like in Finder. So if there's a like with hockey, there's a lot more rolling. So you might have yeah. a two minute clip, and only twelve seconds of it is usable because that's the goal. So that two minute clip. I'm keeping it, but I'm trimming it down to those 12 seconds because I'm not, but there's no reason for me to have that two minute clip. You know what I'm saying? So that adds into that, like just logging time. And it's just like, it's, it's a process, but at the end of the day, I can go on my computer right now, find a 40 yard touchdown that dig that Josh Allen threw the digs in like seven seconds. And he, and he did that last October. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. That's such an underrated fuck like piece of advice. I love that. Log your footage, save your drives save yourself time because again you're gonna make a portfolio reel in six months from now you want to be able to find that top play that good b-roll that one fan doing a backflip you know what i'm saying like you're looking through seven thousand clips named c75 c76 c77 you're like bro where is the clip that i'm looking for and i'm not an organized person you know what i'm saying like you see like uh, apparently you are no, only, <laughs> only only with only with uh like the the stuff with the video because you know, if you don't, that's part of the business. So like, if you don't learn that early, you're going to get drowned and all that stuff. But I'm definitely the type of person that gets home from a shoot and just drops the bag on the floor and gets, you know, takes a shower. And go built, the guy's built different. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> the guy's built different. You know what? If you make a YouTube channel, eventually that's got to be your first video. I got, I, no, I got I, one, bro. You, you got it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I just hit a thousand subscribers like last, I think like in December. So I'm making like, okay. two, I'm making like two cents a month, but that's, <laughs> that's definitely uh the first video I think I'm going to make is probably going to be about um marking my clips for live content to get to them yeah. fast, like marking them in the camera so you can send like it covering the lens and whatnot yes, stuff like that yeah. um and then after that i'll probably do like a trimming process video so yeah i'm, I'm gonna hit the subscribe bell yeah for i'm yeah, gonna man. hit the little bell there subscribe to the youtube 
Tatum yeah, Kanye. okay. As we wrap up here, where can the people find you? If they want to follow you on the gram, if they want to follow your YouTube, yeah. where, where are you at? Any social should either be Tape Kage, T-A-P-E-K-A-G-E, or Tape Kage Prod. If by some random chance, somebody already, like on Twitter, some older white lady already took the name. So I had to make it <laughs> Tape Kage Prod. I, know, I, I don't even think she's active on Twitter no more. But if you type that in anywhere, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Google, it should pop up. It should be pretty easy to you know, easy to find. So amazing, awesome, dude! Thank you again for being part of the podcast for hopping on. Uh, anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to say? Is your time to shine? No, nah, man, I had a ball. Subscribe to my man's YouTube. He crushes it. Follow him on IG. He's like that. Follow him. All right, on, I appreciate that, man. Bro. Thanks He's so like much that. for uh, for being on the on the podcast, and I'll talk soon. All right, buddy. How about you? <laughs>